Okay, so hello everyone. Welcome to the part two of episode ten of Let's Get Uncomfortable. This is the last episode of season one, and we are discussing about the newly coming privacy law in India and what it implicates. Also, and we are also discussing the grey areas about privacy law in India if it comes into action, and also a lot, a lot of other issues and a lot of other case studies that we are going to explore today. So. first we would i would like to just introduce and give a short recap to everyone about the part 1 of our episode we basically discussed that how india is in a dire need of a privacy law and how the constitution of india doesn't directly have a right to privacy or personal data but indirectly through through fundamental rights like freedom of speech and also right to life and personal liberty in the constitution of india but speaking legally and officially there is no privacy there is no law for privacy of data personal data but recently we are going to have a personal data protection bill now this was passed in 2019 and it was tabled by the indian par it was tabled by the ministry of electronics and information technology and this bill is being analyzed currently by a joint parliamentary committee now this bill wants to safeguard us and protect our personal data and it will also create a framework where our data fiduciary will be responsible which is the data protection authority and we aman also gave us few insights about the types of privacy in india how can, how can it be legally termed under privacy how can we legally describe our privacy and he also gave us some insight about the different rights and categorized them that to what level are our rights in the pdp bill and today we are going to discuss about some of the gray areas surrounding the privacy laws in india and privacy in general in india with a few with a few case studies also so that you know you all might get some reality check here and get a little uncomfortable also so haman how are you feeling i'm good i'm good thanks abhishek So yeah, Aman, we'll straight right into the uh, context here. So I would like to ask you how the new privacy law might make it impossible for the companies and corporates to function. Because last time when we were discussing the the PDP bill, in order to safeguard personal data, it will have to strengthen restrictions and regulate companies that handle, manage, or collect data. collect personal data like e-commerce companies and other unicorns that you know are digital in nature so yeah no absolutely so as you said you know we also have to look at which company are we talking about which is going to get affected right so you know some of the larger companies like facebook are you know they are under constant scrutiny by regulators around the world and they have already had to create so many features allowing us to access and manage our own data because you know they're complying with the gdpr and international laws like that but um, so that's really great but you know but it could also make functioning really difficult for a lot of indian companies who are not used to having you know such strong privacy restrictions in place because till now they've ju- there's just been you know some rules called the uh, spdi rules which haven't been which aren't as extensive and they haven't been enforced as strongly so um, for you know most startups emerging today which you will notice are in tech or tech enabled sectors uh, you know ed tech fintech all that see all these companies are definitely going to process sensitive customer data 
because that's what they do is a core part of their business and you know now in a post covid world even traditional businesses are digitizing their administrative system so you know everyone from your tiny local shop who writes down customer names on a piece of paper is going to be impacted by at least some of these responsibilities which we discussed last time you know although there is hopefully going to be an exemption for uh, manual data entry by small companies but uh, we'll have to see how that pans out but you know generally as we noted in part 1 also some of the requirements they are quite vague uh, you know like what is fair what is accurate what is reasonable so uh, you know we'll have to wait a few years until the judicial position on what these provisions exactly mean is settled and until then there might be a constant risk you know the companies operating will be in a constant risk of being in violation which of course will carry really big penalty so it is definitely going to be scary uh, for companies in the next few years and you know even for we spoke about smaller companies but even for the bigger companies their problem is in fact more magnified because they process much more data much more complex data and they have stronger algorithms that may be able to identify a person which is the test for you know falling under the act uh, they might they able to identify a person even from apparently non personal data sets like their search histories or user histories and for them the sheer cost of compliance with this law could increase many times you know because they have to bring in a lot of changes to their algorithms to their core business architecture to you know allow them things like you know allow things like right to erasure interoperability anonymization and so on i think you know one example uh, you know which might be relatable for understanding how this can impact us is just imagine your school publishes a list of students on its facebook page and you no longer study in that school so can you then ask facebook to erase it using your rights under the act so you know you haven't uploaded it but it's still personal data about you which is now inaccurate and it's maybe not uploaded with your consent so you know again a lot of these really tricky questions will arise and we'll just have to see how strongly the law is enforced you know take take another provision you know the one which allows the government to ask any fiduciary to share non personal or anonymized data with them so that you know the government can then make data driven and evidence based policy decisions so what does this mean so now if the government has launched some scheme for you know girl child education and they want to get data about what the current situation is can they ask all schools to uh, you know send data of all their students with just their gender and their grades so they can hide your name and address and just send this much which is possibly going to be allowed but now what if some data analytics company and there are a bunch of really good ones these days they use this data set they you know add another data set from say facebook or linkedin filtering out people from that school and now suddenly you know they are identifying they can they can probably identify me by you know these two separate apparently non identifiable data sets so what is non personal data what is anonymization we don't know businesses don't know and they may have to be ready to you know flexibly handle their data as may be required at least for the next few years okay thank you and like yeah like as you said like uh, the example that you provided about the school records i have actually observed that that you know many colleges and many universities are hiring data analytics and pr agencies uh, in order to you know get, maximize on social media pr they are uh, getting students 
IDs and they are making another profile pages which is strictly used for posting about the college and university content which is done on the which by by the way is done uh, and done on with the consent of the students but it is not clearly specified that you know what is going to happen under this like they just like for example they take 200 students and they just take a they just take consent from that it can we make a profile page about you and you know we can get ac- we can get access to it and we can pro- post content about the school or colleges or the fac- facilities and faculty that we provide basically just to market the college on social media through your name so yeah like i get where you're coming from and i have i have actually seeing this and it has happened right. with my it is happening with my friends also like right. i see posts from their facebook page about their colleges and about the facilities and faculty about awards that the college is winning so yeah like that is really a gray area no and certainly you bring out a good point because you know even the law the bill has a separate section on processing of children's data you know it's sensitive data of children so um, you know that will be interesting to see you know how schools are particularly affected by those compliances okay and another thing i want to bring out here is like particularly larger organizations if this law comes into fruition the volume of data and the annual turnover and all these factors will come into play when they are you know or uh, getting scrutinized under this because there will be uh, specific tasks defined by the regulator periodic security audits and you know they will have to appoint a data protection officer and they will also have to bring in change in their engineering and design and their security measures as you pointed out earlier so this will make it much more costly and difficult for them to keep their engine running and this will also let's look at a real economic point of view will also affect india because many of these companies come to india like all the foreign companies come to india because there is such ease with the policies and ease with the regulations here like setting up business in india but once this law comes in the pdp bill comes in it will make it much more difficult and for them to you know uh, get themselves set up here so they, we might have to look out there like you know how this will affect relationships in business and another thing that i want to bring out is that uh, you know there have been a few restrictions imposed there will be a few restrictions imposed on data localization as well uh, like limits will be placed for certain sensitive personal data and it will uh, it will tell the private companies that they cannot store information of their customers in their own countries so like facebook operates from america so like the under pdp bill sensitive uh, sensitive private data will can only be stored in india and be collected in india and they cannot transfer it to their uh, primary country uh, without the consent and permission of the government and uh, not only that it needs to be both stored and processed within india and and seeing the indian digital infrastructure it is going to cause a lot of problems and a lot of setbacks with relationships with these companies so yeah like that was what i wanted to say about this and now no, moving, yeah so yeah, no, yeah yeah moving on to the next question like we were talking about how this will be how it will make difficult for private companies and everything but in india there have been a lot of cases about data breaches as per the new law 
and i just want to know about the prevalence the compliance and how it affects business deals because let me give you uh, let me give everyone some examples of you know how big data how big the data breaches have been in india and why this law needs to be before we move on to aman so like recently in october 2020 i am re- i have gathered this data from cso india now cso india tracks online uh, tracks online data breaches in india and this is a article that i am reading by them regarding data breaches in india so in october 2020 big basket user data was on the black market and this data and this uh, database had personal information of close to 20 million users and it was available with a price tag of 3 million rupees now this was collected by an atlanta based cyber intelligence firm sibil in america and this also this data set also had uh, email ids password hashes pins mobile numbers addresses dates of birth and ip addresses sibil and sibil also found that on october 30 and after comparing it with big basket users information to validate it they apparently it was apparent to breach on big basket on november 1 so this is one of the examples where 20 million user accounts were sold were on the dark net being sold for 3 million rupees now another example is about an academy now in may 2020 22 million user accounts were leaked with usernames email addresses and passwords and it was upon dark web and this is a startup that has an academy was backed by investors including facebook and bloom ventures now not only this just another last example local research provider just dial it exposed data of 10 crore users now this happened in april 2019 and local uh, it they faced a data breach where more than 100 million users made publicly available their numbers their ids their gender their date of birth an independent security researcher of facebook said in the post that you know this all has been leaked and not mo- not giving us further examples just uh, i would like to say in short like you know even sbi faced breach and leaks of and where account details of millions of customers were out in were out and it this happened in january 2019 so coming back to the question with these breaches happening what will be what how will it be managed under the new law right so you know as you rightly pointed out these breaches are happening all the time and across sectors so uh, one of the accountability measures is that every data breach has to be reported to the authority which will be set up under the act and you know then the authority will you know give orders you know work with this company to get the situation under control and maybe require them to make you know elaborate disclosures to the users that look your data has been compromised so you know maybe you want to change your passwords or whatever so um, there are you know there is a mechanism a legal mechanism in place now i mean once the act comes in force to handle these situations but i think the real problem with data breaches is that you know very often they occur well before they are detected so you know this week in fact there's a lot of news about hackers infiltrating at least 18000 clients through the supply chain which means it's you know it's being called the solar winds hack and what happened is that there was a ma- some malware installed 
in the in the software which is produced by solar winds which is an it solutions provider and through this software it traveled to all of solar winds clients which are some of america's biggest companies including microsoft and even government agencies and you know all their data got compromised so i mean we clearly don't have sufficient mechanisms in place to prevent attacks and often not even to detect them in time so you know the pdp bill rightly provides for measures for damage control once it is detected so that is on the breach itself but you know a more long term consequence as you asked is um on deal making also in the business world because you, you see after the gdpr came into force several deals have been you know stalled or cancelled due to data protection concerns because people are scared like when a company you know acquires another company they are scared what if this other company which i'm integrating into my subsystems has some vulnerabilities or maybe it has a hacker sitting in it already and this happened in fact with marriott hotels when they acquired starwood hotels um so starwood was breached in 2014 before the acquisition and it was only in 2018 four years and this is after marriott acquired it that they realized okay there is you know that data has been compromised so marriott in fact had to pay a really heavy fine uh, to the europe you know the regulators in, in europe so um you know even though marriott was nowhere in the picture when the actual attack happened so this is you know having a sort of chilling effect on uh, deal making but i think hacking will always you know advance it will get more sophisticated so the solution lies in keeping up with them in data protection audits privacy by design better encryption making sure that within the company only certain personnel have access to you know your master pass key or whatever so you know most of this is provided by the bill in the accountability chapter and the idea is that simply that you know even in case of a breach uh, one can hope that nothing harmful or identifiable gets compromised and i think that's what we have to work towards okay and you we get your point what you're trying to make and now i would like to move on to the next question which is how these data leaks and breaches have been facilitated and they have been used for conducting media trials now media trial is a word that has suddenly got famous in india this in the last 4 5 months in the pandemic we have seen a lot of media trials now by media trials i mean the media houses in india the news channel the news channels in india taking it into their own hand of about collecting evidence and showcasing private and sensitive data out in the public out on the television now i would just like to uh, present some of the cases that have recently been happened now a recent case i would like to bring into light is the sushant singh rajput case and the hatrat case now move the first uh, talking about the hatras case uh, on october 2 an audio an audio clip of a private conversation between tanushree pande an india today journalist and sandeep who's the brother of the hatras gang rape victim was published on op india it, now this is a pro government website and they wrote throughout the conversation tanushree tanushree pande appears to be forcing a very particular statement out of sandeep while sandeep was hesitating uh, hesitating to the pressure that the journalist wanted him to answer in now th- now this is brought into uh, now it is clear from the conversation that pande was only doing her job uh, as a journalist now journalists have a job of bringing out answers out of people so and she was literally shown in a very 
what do you say malicious light through this recording and like she was also asking sandeep to send her a video recording of the victim's father testifying that the family was under a lot of pressure from the up government to admit that they were satisfied with the investigation now as reported by india today the phones of sandeep and the victim's entire family were also seized by the police later and it is also being uh, and it is also being uh, claimed that uh, pandey and sandeep's phones were tapped and this was without any legal grounds and the bjp it cell head amit malviya was also questioned about this audio clip reaching to the news channel organization and social media and as usual they did not reply to it and another thing that i wanted want to share is the sushant singh rajput case now as everyone has seen that you know uh, sushant singh rajput's uh, medical health records were uh, published out on the media like he like th- literally the therapist notes and therapist analysis were up out in the media right now this is some very private and sensitive information which should not be out there and not only that they have also uh, navika kumar who is a journalist in times now she also exposed dipika padukone's whatsapp chats and termed it as exclusive evidence now and also claimed that the messages had been retrieved by the narcotics control bureau now this brings into question what gave government the right to tap into her messages and without her consent give it to media channels and leak it like they have also leaked audio clips and chats now this is way beyond what we are trying to you know fathom and not only this in the past also i guess many of you remember that the shri devi murder case or the shri devi suicide case they it was particularly termed as murder by media news channels and they were all about messing around her house and making predictions and getting doctors and medical professionals to give statements that how and predict how could she have died so yeah like this is a really sensitive thing that is happening that you know data leaks and breaches being facilitated by the government agencies to the media which is causing this havoc so yeah what is your view about it right so you know this whole media trial concept brings out a very uh, strong conflict between right to privacy on the one side versus the media's freedom of expression and also the public's right to information on the other side because you know all that all these examples that you have given there are some people who will you know who will argue that you know sting operations and these exposes are hallmarks of a good strong media ecosystem and it's their job to bring out these hidden issues so you know that's that's the argument on one side uh, as opposed to the right to privacy on the other side so um the pdp bill how it deals with it is that it currently exempts any personal data which is being processed for journalistic purposes uh from you know from its obligations but it still must be for a specific clear and lawful purpose and they still have to maintain data security standards to protect the data and so on but uh, and they've said that all of this is subject to the press council of india rules or the self regulatory rules within the media industry so i think to you know fully answer your question we'll have to look at exactly what the press council of india guidelines provide for and maybe what the right to information act provides for so on some issues such as you know identity of rape victims like obviously there is no justification for revealing the name and all that but 
you know, for any of these other uh, examples that are being broadcast, I think it will be up to the courts to decide whether the public interest in knowing whatever they were showing in that specific case is so strong like the public really should be knowing about it is you know that, that that policy interest is so strong that it would override the privacy interest of the individual who is being exposed and of course this is going to be a delicate balance which um i think the courts will decide on a case by case basis but yes i mean the problem you highlighted is definitely real and this act will um it it, it won't do too much to solve fix it but uh, at least at least there is some extra law now which is you know bringing attention to this problem okay thank you i get the point that you're making like i was a little agitated about this because these are actually you know like mental health records being out in the public and phone calls and phones being tapped so it made me a little emotional about this but i get where you're coming from and now i see the point that you know like the law will uh, will complement this and you know will not will place some strong uh, regulations regarding handling of this data and now i would like to talk about general invasion of privacy for government services now as we've talked about how media leaks how leaks and breaches are facilitated in media in going about their business and their reporting i would like to talk about like how general invasion of privacy happens for government for, for government services like there are lots of topics under this uh, under this subject like the the whole discussion about aadhar card like the use of it the extent to to the extent of it being used then there's mass surveillance under which cctvs in our countries are you know not directly legalized like like they are we have their government has no uh, apparent permission for you know putting cctvs and uh, guard and surveilling our cities and surveilling the public and also a topic about the the evolution of smart cities and net grid so yeah what are your what are your views about it hey so um, you know what uh, we spoke about you know so all these government invasions into privacy um, will be directly governed by the test which was laid down by the supreme court when you know in the judgment we spoke about last time when it you know right when it fund held that there is a fundamental right to privacy so the test which the supreme court laid has three prongs so to speak the first is legality which means that you know there should be a law um, facilitating for this you know invasive policy um, the second thing is that it must be in pursuance of a legitimate state aim which means that you know if i am bringing out aadhar it has to be for a legitimate purpose which would be to give benefits to the people or say if i'm rolling out cctv it's for the benefits for the legitimate purpose of maintaining security so that's the second prong and the third prong is that it should be proportionate which means that what you are doing should first of all be uh, you know directly connected to why you are doing it which would be as we discussed the legitimate state aim and the other other aspect of proportionality is that it should be the least intrusive way of going about it which means that you know it should be really be necessary for you to collect the data or process the data and there is no other way of going about achieving that goal of the government so everything you mentioned uh, would be tested against this test and 
I think you know what happened after the Supreme Court case is that the Aadhaar judgment happened based on this uh, verdict, and there also the court said that yes, it's legal. There is a law. There is of course a proper purpose, which is to improve access to benefits, and they also held that collection of biometric data is necessary and proportionate. So of course they put some restrictions on you know what you can do with the Aadhaar data, but um, by and large the project was upheld um, because they they felt they did for the most part. Uh, you know, comply with this test that they laid down. But um, you know, just step back from this legal test for a moment. There are, even if we just talk about it generally, there are definitely arguments in favor of some of these uh, so-called invasions of privacy, right? So just which could, you know, these these benefits are largely your safety, security, and convenience. You know, take take smart cities. Like if I give you a smart card that lets you access all transport, public places. You know, water, electricity, and your utilities. You know, by just swiping it and showing that yes, I'm a citizen of the city, and that is so convenient, right? Or if I could just put million sensors in the city sewage systems, and you know, I can check pollution levels, I can check COVID levels, which which is actually being done sometimes, and I could narrow down, you know, hotspots for focusing my regulation for you know cleaning up or sanitization to specific places using these sensors. So these kind of technologies can really improve. your quality of life but because of this now there is some system out there controlled by the government or probably even by private companies in partnership with the government which now knows every step you take where you were how much trash your house produces and add to this all your cctvs and maybe in the future facial recognition drones we don't even know what's coming you know you add all of this you combine all this data and the risk now that that now arises is that the same technologies which were really helping you could easily be used or misused for policing and surveillance so i think that's where the that's where the tension arises but there's one more question to be asked here is this surveillance bad because uh, definitely there is a chilling effect of surveillance right like i will not feel as free i mean you know my my fundamental rights of to liberty and movement and so on Uh, would definitely be restricted a bit if i am constantly being watched by the state so there is an, i mean there's no there's no two ways about that but at the same time there is another side which we have to take into consideration so i think there was this really interesting survey by researchers at the center for internet and society where they you know spoke to people on the streets in delhi and it showed that many people were actually hopeful that because of the cctvization of delhi as they call it at least now the cops will believe them when they turn to them with some complaint about something that has happened to them because uh, they can now get video proof whereas in the past the cops would never would often apparently not take up their complaint seriously so it's really a challenging question so you see it's not a debate between privacy and security alone it's also about each individual person each individual citizen's subjective desires and needs as to where we can draw the line between privacy and security so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how all of these schemes get rolled out, and how you know for how many of them the government will actually invoke exemptions. Uh, how many convenience-based things will it use for surveillance, and what accountability safeguards will be retained? How courts will react to all these measures? So, I think this is definitely something um, activists will be keeping an eye out for, and we as citizens should also be at least in the know of. Okay
you bring up a really interesting point because uh, as you said in delhi people were actually hopeful when the survey was conducted now delhi being uh, delhi being the place where you know the crime rate is at its highest i would actually if i was a citizen of delhi i would actually feel good about the cctv the cctv is being placed all over it so i you bring up a really great point about you know it's really subjective and it depends upon people's desires about it and now to move on to the next question as you were discussing about you know how government how it is subjective and how act, the government can actually do it for the public safety i would like to ask about you know under the pdp bill what will be the exceptions for government to bypass laws for pu- public safety and health because let me tell you one thing like when covid 19 hit as authorities in the us and uk were coordinating with private companies to retrieve data location data and they were devising strategies to trace exposure now in singapore iran russia and israel they were using mobile applications to support contact contact tracing of its patients and predict the next hotspot and allocate health resources this literally means like they were tracking the patients who had covid and so that they can predict the next hotspot now in india the ministry of electronics and information technology has developed a contact path tracing mobile applications and they also geo trace user location and inform them if they have come in contact with an inf- uh, infected person now the indian government is also using the airline and railway reservation data to track suspected infections and first hand stamped people who promised not to travel in the state of kerala they were using telephone call records cctv footage and mobile phone gps systems to track primary and secondary contacts of covid-19 patients and they have published detailed time and data maps showing movement of people who have been tested positive now these are just few of the examples that have presented where the government bypasses privacy and laws to actually do to actually you know uh, work for the public safety and make the right choices in corona in this pandemic which has actually been very useful for us now there's another flip side and there's another argument and a discussion here is like the extent of data and the extent to which the government has gone into because this is not codified or it is not legalized in our in our constitution but according but according to the uh, yeah according to the nine judge bench judgment of ks puttaswami versus union of india they recognize the right to privacy as an integral component of fundamental rights now accordingly an expert committee headed by justice shri krishna had also constitute was also constituted by the government of india and they presented a comprehensive report on personal data protection in the parliament and here there was another question being asked that in in cases of pandemics and what do you say uh, natural disasters the what is the extent to which the government can go and they have also said that there will be a mechanism where the data fiduciary is exempt from taking consent of the data principle provided that the collection and processing of personal data is authorized under law 
but a public health emergency however does not exempt governments from other principles and they can could purpose limitations lawful processing storage limitation transparency transparency and even accountability now it also suggests that after the data is being used the government should delete and should anonymize the data so that no further leakage breaches and unauthorized use of data can happen so yeah aman what do you think about it no i think you've already you know brought out the most important point which is that and you know what the shri krishna committee suggested is what eventually led to this pdf bill that we're talking about so um, this discussion you brought out does is retained in the bill uh because it, the bill currently does provide exemptions which is that when you're dealing with a medical emergency of an individual as well as taking measures to deal with public health issues like this pandemic both these cases are valid grounds for processing data without your consent but as you said it only lets you escape taking my consent it doesn't let you do anything you want with my data so you know all these other principles that you mentioned uh, should be applying to this data collection in any case and i think there's no better example than the app you mentioned which the government launched which is arogya setu because with this we saw an app capable of providing really rich data to study and map the virus so obviously the government pushed for it and you know the app's privacy policy terms of service and the, the, it assured you that they will only collect what is needed and they delete it after use and so on and so basically it was designed to be in compliance with these principles and then you know people yet found some mistakes they petition they got it changed so um, the debate will always exist as to how where, are you really collecting all you need or are you collecting extra data so i mean that that's a debate which i guess only you know the technical people are uh, experts in the field will be in a position to answer in each case but um, that's you know so at least at least what we are seeing already is this consciousness uh, that both from the government end and from the activism end which said both of them were respecting privacy while you know uh, you know envisaging this arogya setu concept and of course the other question you raised is about that there has to be a law allowing it which is uh, which is you know uh, in line with the supreme court test in um, putaswami which is that the first prong of the test which is legality there has to be a law enabling your invasion of privacy so um, of course the uh, arogya setu did not have a law per se so Uh, there is a good ground for saying that it is not in compliance with the judgment but um, again is there really i mean who's going to actually tell you to not do anything in the face of a disaster we just faced last year so um, it's it's a good question in the sense that it'll probably end up going to courts again each time as to whether it was justified or not but yes we should the government should always try and come up with a law first to facilitate this invasion and uh, while it might be too late after an emergency starts to you know actually put in the place of procedure of framing a law it's probably a good idea to have a law soon which you know sort of provides a blanket provision enabling this in the future okay and i would also like to bring another point here is like the government uh, under the provisions of epidemic diseases act 1897 and national disaster management act the 2005 have been frequently exercising rights in order to order emergency response measures and the act and the orders issued under this do not provide for a mechanism to collect or process personal data they do not comply with the principles of personal data protection 
So yeah, like there has to be a law about this. And I know that like this is the this is in the case of emergency, but this should actually be on paper so that you know people are aware that this is happening. I don't even I don't even think that even uh people that I don't even think that people knew that you know government is tracking all their data, having their GPS location tracked. Having uh, having be having it being used for Arogya Setu app, I don't even think people knew about this. So yeah, like there needs to be there needs to be something like a at least it should be on paper written that you know the government has permission to do this, which will make us feel safer and it will actually make us it will actually make us feel that the government is being transparent with us. And the last as we are talking about the government and how it how it's going to have a relationship with the private data protection bill i would like to say how will this law affect the government functioning because this bill is probably going to offer broad exceptions for the government to access personal data of citizen and provide full discretion to any to exempt any of its agency from the law citing public order national security and friendly nation foreign states now and because of uh, surveillance because of national security the government has a lot of exceptions to access this personal data and i would like to say that justice b n shri krishna who led the committee that drafted the 2018 personal data protection bill he told the economic times that they have removed the safeguards this is the most dangerous the government can at any time access private data or government agency data on grounds of sovereignty or public order and he also added and i quote the bill will turn india into an orwellian state and while private firms also engage in surveillance capitalism which is also a major issue the primary problem is the need to re- restrict government access to information about individuals and actually codify the government surveillance into law rule of law procedures now all of this is being uh, researched and it's being provided by an article posted by the mint india and also several other articles and several and also several other research, research work has been done uh, with articles provided by the mint uh, uh, that i already said and the wire as well so yeah aman what do you think about this like you know how is how will this new law affect government functioning because from what i have researched and read it is actually like offering exemptions and to government so yeah no so absolutely the you know so the draft which uh, justice shri krishna submitted there have been changes to it uh, you know that was the pdp bill 2018 and uh, now what we have is the pdp bill 2019 so you know the provisions which uh, gave some leeway to the government and have been expanded um, what you know the, you know what all provisions they have they are exempt from has been expanded so um there is definitely uh, you know like what what you pointed out is definitely a concern that this bill could be used as an excuse to uh, you know promote its surveillance measures and uh, so on but i think you know if first of all let's just keep in mind that this bill is again being discussed by the parliament right now um it is being it is hearing stakeholders which includes civil society members and we can hope that some of these provisions are watered down uh, you know back so instead of watered down to dilute the protections they are um, you know strengthened in a way that favors citizen privacy a little more 
So um, I think if that if that happens in the sense that if the if this law becomes a bit tighter that way, uh, it has the potential of putting some really healthy pressure on the government to protect citizen rights while also of course balancing its own functions. You know, especially you have to also keep in mind that the government in recent years has been encouraging so much data-driven innovation, digitization in governance, policing, and in the private sector also by enabling them. So, um, you know, it's 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 definitely a concern that this simultaneous rollout of technological governance side by side with the law which literally comes and says, look, you are exempt from uh, all these provisions could be misused to properly create an Orwellian state of surveillance. But if we can rein it in, if proper regulations are drafted as to how the government can go about doing this, then there is hope that we could have, you know, like a, a really uh, beneficial uh, legislation for citizen privacy as well. And I think we saw even with Arogya Setu in such trying times and without this law in place, people were clamoring for greater accountability and responsibility with the government. So let's hope that no matter what exceptions are ultimately provided and what exceptions are invoked, that the government you know, continues to honor privacy and principle in letter and spirit while performing its state functions. And I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's primarily, um, I mean, that, that's, that's a hope we, we can have for the future. And we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how the government deals with it. Okay. And like, there's a, there was a very interesting line that you brought up that, you know, uh, an observation that the government is increasingly, uh, what do you say? It's, it's increasing its efforts about digital governance, digital records, and surveillance through digital medium. I have found an article which is uh, which is by scroll.in uh, where like they have said that in a report that a report by the Indian Express said the government has been asking telecommunication companies for call data records uh, of all users in certain pockets of the country. On certain days, and even half post shows that the central government is actually planning a national social registry, which is going to be a 360 database to track lives of all Indians. Now, neither measures seems to be backed by law or follow due process. Now, as this PDP bill is being ex- uh, is being analyzed and is being talked about under the table, this is happening, and it actually violates privacy guidelines set down by the Supreme Court under the name of national security or the targeted delivery of goods or services. Now, this is happening in stealth under any jurisdiction. Now, mass requests for call data records were sought in January and February. And in a letter to the telecom department, mobile service providers noted that no reason had been offered for requesting such great amounts of data. They also violated the procedure for call requests laid down in 2013. Now, this social registry is a project which has been updated from 2011, socioeconomic caste census. It was being spoken since 2011, and this will also have India's 1.2 billion residents, says the report. And it will also have their, it will be connected to the Aadhaar card, their Aadhaar numbers. It will integrate their marital status, education, religion, caste, income, property. And yeah, so like this is like the plan for a national registry of citizens. And this is going to be a very complex AI based algorithm with a strong algorithm that will come, that will evolve with time and provide government with data 
personal data about citizens so yeah these are uh, and another thing that i found out that when you were saying the government is focusing on digitizing records and focusing on digital governance i also found out an article in the economic times where a digital media id for everyone now india is spending 23 million for this program where a digital health id to every citizen will happen will be given and it is to bolster india's economic growth amid the coronavirus pandemic now this the national digital health mission which it's called which aims to create a repository of doctors and health facilities ac- across india and also records so that you know we can easily access records of the patients which will make it easier for it will make it easier for all the people but there is a, a counter a counter discussion here is that india had like these records are mostly important for people who live in the poverty line because they don't have access to such services they they're not given enough importance so but here like they don't have enough data they don't have a good internet connection they don't have the prior knowledge to you know handle their digital records so this, that is the counter question here and that is just something that i brought up so that you know we can provide some more context and some more meat into this topic now like we as we are ending this discussion now like so aman as we are approaching the end of part 2 uh i would like to i would like to point out to the users that whoever is listening here we are not criticizing the government or we are not criticizing any organization it is just that we are stating facts and providing two sides to the argument and exploring the gray side also so don't like just start predicting that me and aman are on a mission to you know like conquer the government or bring them down because that will not happen so uh, aman what would you like to say to the listeners here who are listening to this podcast no absolutely so this gray area that you pointed out which is that a lot of these schemes could be very beneficial for the most marginalized sections is in fact very true and that's that's the exact reason why even the other card was upheld by the supreme court so you know so that that's correct and i think another point which we must keep in mind is that you know even if this law comes through with all these wide exceptions that really allows the government to do whatever it wants we still have the supreme court right the supreme court can always come in and say look the law itself violates the right to privacy the pdp bill itself violates the right to privacy uh, you know it could taken uh, under the constitution and that uh, using that it could strike down some of these provisions or you know direct the government to you know make some pro- better regulations to uh, go about uh, these schemes so um, there's always hope that first the first hope is of course that the government itself uh, provides strong provisions in the law which would help public trust which would help uh, you know it would just help create a much healthier ecosystem when it comes to our data the second hope we have is that even if the provisions are not there the government acts benevolently and in its executive action it keeps in privacy principles in mind and of course the last resort would be the supreme court um to you know keep a check on anything that violates the fundamental right so you know that's my that's that i think that would be my uh, uh, final word in the sense that there is definitely things to be uncomfortable about but it's not like there's all hope lost and um, let's just hope that these gray areas and trade offs we discussed are considered by the government and appropriately dealt with in drafting this law 
Yeah, and another thing, like even I'm hopeful about the PDP bill because it will bring much more accountability and much more transparency into light and have more regulations about. It. But even if this law gets passed, just a hypothetical situation, even if this gets passed, I don't have uh, confidence in the capability of gov- in the capability of a government to execute this. During coronavirus, the government has failed to uh, collect and collect data about several important things now some of these now some of these are like the number of deaths of migrant workers during covid-19 pandemic no data then job loss of migrant workers during covid-19 pandemic no data then another thing is there is no data on number of farmer suicides in india there is nothing then there is number of deaths of covid-19 frontline workers like healthcare workers police personnel and safai karmacharis there is no data about their deaths so this actually makes and even the number of micro small and medium enterprises shut down during the pandemic there's no data and the number of rti activists killed no data like these are just few of the examples uh that you know we we don't know anything about and this is being collected from the quint they posted an article about data and accountability which is missing in india so if i want government to actually improve their current data collection and analysis processes in order to move further with this because it will not mean anything with the pdp bill if this the fundamentals and the what do you say the foundation is not being trending or set so yeah, that is what i want to say and i also want to say to everyone like please be aware like this will make you feel uncomfortable but you have to be aware about this you have to be in touch with reality so yeah like please be aware about this and aman thank you for taking out the time to talk about this discuss about this and i hope it was a great experience for you man uh, definitely thanks so much abhishek i had a lot of fun Yeah so thank you Aman for being a part of the last episode of let's get uncomfortable hope you had a great time and hope everyone is aware so bye guys thank you so much for the support if you want to ask Aman any questions i will have his email id and his linkedin profile in the description of this episode so that you can ask him or you can message me and i will uh, surely forward it to him to get your answers so thank you for being the last uh, being up listening to the last episode and we will see you in the next season thank you for supporting the podcast bye